And I push the button and you'll push your button. I'll be in Scotland before you. Hey everyone, and welcome to Chef AJ Live. I'm your host, Chef AJ, and this is where I introduce you to amazing people like you who are doing great things in the world that I think you should know about. Well, today we're going to talk about how you can get more out of your life by using humor with comedian Carrie Otis. Carrie's a friend for many years. He's also my stand-up comedy teacher. I've had my toe in the water of stand-up comedy for over 20 years. We recently did a showcase and we had it on this channel. I'll link to it. You can watch it yourself. And the class is starting up again on Monday, July 10th. It's a seven-week class. And if you want to take it with me and some of my other vegan friends, there is one spot left. And we're here to answer any and all questions you have about it and maybe learn a little bit about being funny. Hello, Carrie. Hello, AJ. Nice to see you. Yeah. So is it hard being a comedian because people, I mean, because that's what you do professionally. I just do it kind of as a, as a fun hobby, but is it hard because then people just expect you like, you know, you go to a party or somebody says, oh, it's my friend, the comedian, they be funny, you know? Well, you know, it, that can happen. And it, it, it isn't normally the, the case, you know, after, after a while, people kind of know it. Uh, oh yeah. Carrie's a comic, but we tend to be kind of the quiet guys to tell you the truth. Comics aren't always trying to make everyone laugh because we do that you know, for work. Uh, if you see a guy at a party who's going, eh, eh, and trying to make everyone laugh, usually that's a wannabe. Uh, the, the comics are waiting, oh, I'll wait till someone has a check ready. Um, so it, what's actually great about being a comic is you find other people who get you, which is very similar to like being within your class, AJ, when, when there's all these vegans here and people are funny and, and also have, have the same uh, understanding of, of nutrition. It's great to be in your family. Comics love to be in their family. Which yeah, is, they like they okay. like hanging out with each other. But isn't there a difference, Carrie, between stand-up comedy and being funny? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, comics are usually they're funny, but also we know how to do it on command. We also know how to uh, do it under pressure. We know how to do it every time. Those are those are the skill sets you learn after you find being funny. Every comic I know knows somebody else they grew up with in their family or in school that's funnier than them, but they don't have the mentality or the personality or the or the desire to do it. Maybe, they, you know, a guy who's, a, I'd rather be a lawyer and make a, a ton of money. Why, why should I work at the clubs at two in the morning? Exactly. But isn't there a difference between stand-up comedy and just repeating a joke? Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, especially if you hear a joke, you know, at, at work and, uh, you know, being able to uh, just tell somebody's joke. That, that's a skill. I, I admire that skill. But stand-up is more about doing something personal to you. Um, but I will say, if you can tell a joke well, that's a that's a beginning. It means you know how to how to memorize the the key points. I taught a I had a CEO to hire me last week to literally teach him how to tell jokes because he he needed to learn. Oh, that's the important part of the joke. Every, everything else you can change a word or two, but these are the pillars that have to be in that joke. Nice. Yeah. So is, is, is timing everything? Yes, it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's a, a link between good drummers and good comics. You know, um, uh, Fred Armistead, who is a uh, great comic from uh, Saturday Night Live, also a really, really great drummer. And uh, it shows you that there's a rhythm. Uh, and I love working with guys who can play drum because you can go, you know, remember, it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a rhythm. You can't mess with it. Yeah. And then that's something people can learn. Um, they can get better at it. I've never given up on anyone, no matter how 
uh, flat-footed they may seem, if they study long enough and they, they are interested and have the desire, I found people growing, I never thought I would have a chance. So I never, I never say no to somebody. It's always been a sound. I've been doing this like 20 years the, the, as a teacher. The people who have made turnarounds uh, constantly amaze me. You know, I've heard that public speaking is like the number one fear, but I would say that for people that have that fear, stand-up comedy is scarier than public speaking because public speaking, you can use a PowerPoint. You don't have to be funny. You just have to kind of deliver some kind of message or material. I, I agree that for most people, it would be harder to do stand-up. As a stand-up, I love being a stand-up more than a public speaker because every laugh I get means I'm still connected to you. Whereas if I'm doing a public speaking job, which I've done, sometimes, you know, people are just kind of dozing off because that's how they listen to speeches. And like, I hate that. You know, it, it's like, um, uh, I, can't, I can't feel the feedback that I'm used to. Uh, but for public speaking, it's, yeah, kind of easy. You do a PowerPoint, everyone naps, and then you're done. That's funny. But a lot of times people can you learn, even if they're not wanting to be a comedian or even feel they're funny, learn to use humor in their presentations. Oh, my God. I think that's one of the most effective things you can do. I've taught so many uh, business people and speakers because uh, the skills that uh, a stand up uses make you much more precise, much more memorable, more interesting, more vibrant as a public speaker, even if you never do stand up. And I would say this to you. Um, I've watched you doing, you know, your cooking shows and been at your house when you've done uh, afternoon presentations and you are so much more effective because you're funny. It makes you, I think, so. I think it keeps people awake. Absolutely. It's a, it's a better way of communicating. It's a more sophisticated way of communicating. Speaking is this and then entertaining is this and then making them laugh is that. Well, you know, Linda Middlesworth, who's been in the class several times now, basically because I forced her, didn't understand why I was making her take this class. She goes, I'm not funny. Well, it turns out she's hilarious. But oh, I said, well, you're always doing these conferences and you do them on Zoom. And sometimes the technology doesn't work. You need to just have some filler. And and and, and so she's just, she's really good now. She's excellent. Um, and the other thing about uh, Linda is, is a, an example of a uh, a devout uh, vegan is I, I think we're being able to soften her persona uh, so that, you know, a, a lot of people who have a, a mindset of like, I, I know the answer. Let me tell you about it. You know, um, whatever it is, whether it's diet or health or religion, you know, they are less effective because they they come at it head on as opposed to being humorous about it. And you, you add humor to you, whatever your uh, argument is, it comes off better. So you're yeah. more effective. Yeah, I mean, if I, if all things being equal, like if I was going to anybody in any profession, doctor, lawyer, I, I mean, if all things being equal, equal, you know, skill, I'd take the funny one. That's why I went to my dentist, mainly for the jokes. I know. It's it, why not have an, an, a, a fun time while you're getting the best of service as well? So, and I also think it's a sign of intelligence. If somebody can be funny, it means they're not only getting the base level of, of communication, but they can have fun with it. I, I, that's just my take. Sherry, who's watching live, says people vibrate higher when they can laugh. And, you know, I think about Norman Cousins, who basically laughed himself well. Oh, and I think it's not only a way to heal yourself. It's an indicator of a, of just, I, I would use the word enlightenment. But if I've met people of high degree, you know, uh, that's a Native American term for like an enlightenment. People of high degree, everyone I've met, no matter what, whether it's in the in religion or government or in uh, science, everyone who attains the highest level usually has a great sense of humor because they've they're 
they work hard, but they know how to be light about it. To me, that's the that's the sweet spot. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, zealot and and not enjoy anything. You know, like if you say I have the best diet in the world, and you're going to die if you don't use it. Like, oh, that's not fun. <laughs> that's funny. Joyce would like to take the class, but she says she can't afford it. And what I want to tell people is, you if you pay by PayPal, you can make six payments of you know over time with no interest for the same price Joyce is using on heroin or whatever. Her <laughs> <laughs> or donuts, you know, whatever you're, whatever you're wasting money on, you can come away in eight weeks, you'll have an amazing experience and great skills. So that that's one way to do it. If, if you do have extra money, I don't right. want to be homeless choice. Right, right. Eight weeks, because it's uh, seven classes show. showcase. Karen, who's watching live has been in several showcases. She's hilarious. She can't take it this time because she just spent thousands of dollars on a blender she didn't need. So as soon as she has that paid off, she'll be back in class. That's making fun of you because you made her buy it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I wasn't there in Cleveland. I didn't make her buy that one. I didn't promote the Vitamix. She did that on her own. So, yeah. That is hilarious. How do you get more out of your life by using humor? Well, if you, you know, if you have two ways to get through an afternoon and uh, one of them is by sharing laughs with someone or, or seeing the silly way uh, of, of uh, observing a, a phenomenon, it's life is just more fun. If I'm at a checkout line and uh, there's someone I can make, have a joke with, I'm gonna have a joke and I'm, I'm having a good time. I'm doing a show or, or laughing with somebody just, you know, and, and at the grocery store, why you don't have to wait for comedy to be done. You can just have it. I have it with cab drivers and anytime. It, why does it seem like some people have no sense of humor? Um, I think sometimes people are either in pain or they have never been around it before. Uh, one of the one of the uh, I think you got to hang out around some funny people to learn how it's done if you're not funny yourself. And uh, this this one fellow I was working with as a, I was mentoring him and I said, you know, I think you need to hang out around more Jews. Um, just be around people who know how to laugh and, and, and Jews know how to suffer and then laugh about it. So. Have you ever seen either the play or just there's a thing called old Jews telling jokes and these I don't believe these are professional comedians. Yeah, I've seen the videos. I, I haven't seen the play. Yeah, it's hilarious. I'd love to have a few old Jew jokes. Uh, old Jewish jokes are always the best. Because you, you get to do the voice and everything's funny. Yeah. When, when was, when was stand-up invented? The, the cat skill? Oh, see, this is an interesting thing, all right? I am uniquely qualified to have this question. Um, I started working 30 years ago with a, a group that teaches nature awareness skills. They hired me as a comedian to come on these wilderness trips. And I performed in caves during rainstorms. I, and, and I met tribal people. And I realized that the humor tradition goes back thousands of years, that Native American culture, and uh, let's say in the Hopi have uh, koshares, they're called, which are tricksters. And then about six years ago, I met a, a pre-Columbian tribe that lives in the mountains of Colombia, all right? And I try to do stand-up for them. These are people who have like make their own clothes from, from the sheep that they, they heard. And it was very hard to do comedy for them, but they have two comics in their tribe living on a mountaintop in Colombia. So this goes back thousands of years. Jewish comedy goes back at least hundreds of years when they would do it in the shtetl, they'd have different comics you know, perform. They found a, a stand-up uh, notes set list 
from the Middle Ages, from the 14th century, I think. Uh, they just put, that was in the news just recently. So the idea of a traveling uh, comic goes back thousands of years. I did not know that. I did not know that either. That's one of the weird things about uh, sticking around and, and meeting enough people. Was it actually a profession that people got paid for it or more like a hobby? Well, you know, look at Shakespeare's, there was the, uh, there was the jester. The, the, the jester was the one who would make the king laugh and he was the only one who could actually say something to the king or touch him without being killed. So it was a, a sacred tradition uh, in, in Native American culture, you could make fun of the, of the uh, chief, but only like on certain days. <laughs> well, it always seems like people make fun of whoever's in charge. Like politics yeah. always seems to be where, if, are you familiar with Randy Rainbow? No. Oh, he's just, he's hilarious. He has this uh, uh, YouTube channel and he does like political parodies, but he's also got a great voice and he does like. Oh, does oh, that's him. Yes. Yeah. I, I love him. I just didn't know the name. I mean, I love, I just love when, you know, I love comedy, but I love musical comedy. Oh, he's so talented. Yeah, just the way he writes that. I think it's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I just think you get your point across so much better. If, if they're laughing, it means they agree with you. Anybody in your class that have gone on to great things? Well, certainly good things. A number of my students have gone on to become regulars at the comedy store and the improv. Um, and uh, one is a, uh, a regular at all the at the comic strip in New York. Um, one of them has uh, just put out a special. Um, uh, Renee. Um, uh, what's it? Renee Percy. Yeah. And Renee was was so um, this is a very honorable thing. She was already successful in doing a lot. She'd been very uh, um, successful in Canada, but she came here and and she studied with me for a while and came up with a lot of new material, which became quite valuable to her. You know, because as one of your friends, uh, uh, Clint Patterson, in uh, uh, who's a successful comic in Canada, he just needed new material. Uh, not in Canada, in Australia. He just needed new material, and it's a lot cheaper to to uh, take my course for eight weeks to come up with five new minutes. If he had paid me for five minutes of new material, it would have been like $2,000. As a writer, every joke is worth like 50 bucks. It would have cost him thousands. So it's a good deal, even if you're established. Well, the thing is, is even if you don't want to be a stand-up comedian, it's a great experience. And also it's just the classes with the fun. For me, the showcase is okay. The performing is okay, but I like the class experience. It's really fun how well, you are you are especially gifted at it too. Being able, you know, a lot of people like to bitch, um, but to do it in a place where it's required, I think is is really a blessing. And it's like, go start bitching. Are you sure okay? Yes. And then you know, like you are you're amazing at it. You when you rant, you you're on top. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting because it used to be, and not that you would ever force anyone to perform, but now you have a, a an option that people can still be in the class, even if they don't do the showcase. And I think that keeps the retention rate a little higher, just knowing it's kind of like when you go on the roller coaster, you know how they have the chicken exit, like you don't actually have to get on, you can leave. And I think people knowing that they can still have the class experience, write their sets, but don't perform it has helped a lot of people stay. Yeah, and it, I think it's even helped you. Uh, you. You know, you know, you're in for the fun one time we didn't perform. It was right before we were moving, and our head wasn't in the game, but we still enjoyed the class, and we just we we just bowed out of the showcase that one time. Yeah, and this opens it up to more people. Uh, I do love the showcase experience. I think people get a lot out of kind of doing their bucket list and and conquering the fear. 
but it's not for everybody and it's not for every moment in your life. Sometimes it's just not the right time. Things start piling up. And I love opening it up. That was your idea. And I, I think it was a great choice. Uh, yeah. Although I will tell you, one of my one of the most wonderful moments for me was being backstage after a showcase and one of the students coming going, that was the most fun I've ever had. It was just like you said it would be, you know, um, uh, you know, I didn't believe it, but then it was, it's, it's as much fun as you can have, um, you know, with your clothes on, I think. <laughs> you know, I've done this at the comedy store in the improv in your class. And of course, before I met you, I was taking with Judy. So I have had the experience of that. And I will tell you that I get really, really nervous, but on zoom, I, I mean, I have I have butterflies in my stomach, but I don't get anywhere near as nervous doing it on Zoom as I do in person. Well, because you don't have to wear pants. And I, oh. I that, that's inherently relaxing. Also, I think because I when you're in a comedy club, unfortunately, they they force a two drink minimum. So for people that don't drink alcohol, they'll be, you know, buying twenty dollar Spelzer water. But I think because people are drinking, you know, if you're going to get a heckler, it's they're going to be that way more when they're drinking than at home on Zoom, you know? Well, that's an interesting way to look at the balance. I, I, to me, uh, sober crowds are a little harder comedically. Um, if you, if I had a room of 200 people sober versus, uh, having two drinks, I'll take the drunks every time. Uh, I've only had a few hecklers. I know we, you and I have talked about heckling quite extensively, probably more, we've probably talked about it more than I've ever been heckled in 45 years. It's funny. Cause I've been heckled and it, it doesn't feel good. And I, it just, it, for me, I'm very sensitive and it kind of broke my resolve and spirit. And I didn't want to get up for a long time because I didn't know what to say because you can't you can't be mean to the heckler because then, you know, remember Michael Richards, you know, I have him in the back of my head. Like, I mean, not that I would ever say anything about somebody's appearance in any way, but you can't be mean back, you know? No. And it's never a really good idea to be mean back. You have so many smarter uh, options available to you. Um, well, you know, there's a lot to learn. I was taught very early on, Carrie, you have a microphone, you have a stage, you have lights on you. Everything is facing you in the room. You have that kind of power. You can't abuse it. So um, I, I treat every heckler as if it was a small child going, well, you don't think the small child knows something deep about you that you should take personally, right? It's just a little kid going, and you go, and you just go back and you're done. You just go, oh, look at you yelling at things. Oh, you know, um, if you can get to that place, it's a wonderful lesson because you feel a lot more um, protected against that, the assault. Um, and, you know, every comic I know has made a mistake. I, I remember the first time I, I, I got heckled and I didn't know what to do. And I, tr I tried yelling at them. And then I went, oh, this is not good at all. This is like my first year. Anyway. Um, Worrying about a heckler is is kind of like worrying about getting hit by lightning. It uh, I wouldn't want to have it happen, but it's it's very rare. Wow. Well, you know, if it if it if it helps that the audience has some alcohol in them to be funny, maybe for our Zoom shows, we should send them a free drink coupon. Tell them what time to drink it, and then time our show accordingly. Absolutely. Or uh, yeah, and and I don't know if they need a free drink coupon. Everyone's got something in their liquor cabinet. Right. Just go like everyone should. Uh, when we start the show, want everyone to hold up their their glass of environment, which is funny because on this channel, we actually do the opposite and promote not drinking alcohol. But what we could say is text me your blood alcohol level, verify that, and then we'll send you the Zoom link. Wow. I love that. Yeah. A perfect comedy audience would be on blood alcohol drip. Yeah. 
<laughs> we're kidding. I hope I hope they know we're like joking because Chef AJ does not recommend. Actually, the doctor we had on today said no alcohol. You know, is the yeah, best but thing. he's never had a performed stand-up. So <laughs> you, know, you, have, you have to compete. Do you want to live forever or you want to have good shows? Uh, there's a balance. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I like improv and I do all of it. I like it better, but performing it is, um, I find performing improv is a little bit less scary because you have people up there with you that have your back, whereas stand up, I mean, you have our back as our teacher, but you're not going to be with us the rest of our lives every time we do something. So you're kind of alone up there. Like I feel like a deer in the headlights. But what I liked about improv, at least in LA, that there was no alcohol served. But here in Sacramento, they do serve alcohol at the improv shows. Oh, well, you know, I'm a little more nervous doing doing improv, to tell you the truth. Always have been because uh, there's a lot more moving parts. And you got everyone in your who's on stage with you has to be holding their end up. And if anyone breaks the uh, the rules, you all, you all go down. So I feel a little more in, uh, in control, put it that way. But I, I love improv, too. Um, uh, you know, I studied at Second City in Chicago. Um, and I hadn't done improv in 40 years. And I got a call from a friend of mine who does event planning. She goes, you have an improv group, don't you? And I went, no, what are you talking about? She goes, well, because Intel wants to hire you for $7,000. Oh, that, that improv group, yes. <laughs> so I, I called up the Groundlings and uh, um, Phyllis Katz, who's a friend of mine, like, we, we put together a group. Oh my God, she's your friend. I just took a class with her. She is the kindest. Isn't she? Okay, so she was subbing for my teacher and I've had bad experiences with subs where they've been really mean. So I said, okay, who's the sub? And he said, Phyllis Katz. And I looked her up and I'm like, you know, she can't be mean. She was lovely. And she, I, I learned so much from her just in the one class she subbed for three hours. She's such a good teacher and she's such a kind person. I didn't know you guys were friends. Absolutely, yeah. We um, worked together on this project for, it took us about three weeks to put together. And it was just a delight, absolute delight. Yeah, she's- If she ever taught anything, I would, I mean, I, I would take anything with her. She was just wonderful. I know. She's one of the founding members of the Groundlings. Did not know. She is wonderful. No, she's got, she's got it together in terms of like being a great person and very, very talented. Yeah. It doesn't always go together. Yeah. What do you, you know, what do you know? Talent does not always arrive with personality. But, yeah. uh, you know, luckily there's enough people out here uh, uh, doing it that you, you can pick somebody who, who, who picks off all your boxes. Did you ever do any comedy competitions in your life? Oh, God, yes. Absolutely. Um, I performed it in the San Francisco Comedy Competition, which was like, the, it was the biggest one in the country. And I drove up there. It was two weeks. Um, I stayed at a friend of mine's house. Um, who was just an artist. So we had a huge space. I literally built a room out of four by four uh, sheet rock. And I was more nervous that week than I've, those two weeks than I've ever been in my life. I took 11th out of this, uh, out of the, in the competition. I, it, it was great. I, I met Bobcat Goldthwait and Ellen DeGeneres. And um, um, I'm trying to think of all the guys that I work with there. Um, Kevin Pollack. I, it, it was uh, quite, um, yeah, it was quite an amazing thing. Um, I was never more nervous. So I was so on edge because, you know, every night, two minutes, then five minutes and then 10 minutes. Uh, you had to work your way up. I made it to the uh, almost to the finals. 
Um, who do you remember who won? I don't remember who won that year. It might have been um, oh, a fellow who went on to work on Saturday Night Live. And I think it was his name. I know who he is, but I can't think of his name right this minute. Um, it was 1984, to give you an idea how long ago that was. Um, I was so nervous. They were filming one of the shows, and they said, uh, I need your social security number. I couldn't think of it. I was that wired. But uh, great shows. San Francisco is a great comedy town. I always love working there. I used to work there about every about every eight weeks I was up there. Um, yeah. I live about two hours from there now, but I think that's a little far to. And I used to work in Sacramento all the time too. Wow. I don't, if there is a comedy scene here, I have not found it yet. Oh, well, double check. There was, there was at least two clubs. I think the pandemic maybe has affected that, but I'll, I'll check. I know there's the comedy spot in Sacramento. That's the one I've been to so far. Yeah. Yeah. I think that might've been the one I worked at, but um, yeah, I'll look it up and we'll find you a place to be. Is there a consensus who's the greatest comedian of all time? There's no consensus. It's it's like in Ju in, it's like Judaism. You know, give me uh, two Jews, I'll show you three opinions. Um, <laughs> for me, it's like saying, "What's your favorite food?" I like. It depends on the day. There's so many great comics that I enjoy. Um, consensus, probably not. I mean, a lot of people will say somebody like Lenny Bruce, somebody who like broke a door down and change the the form um it's hard to say i i like them all when did women start really being in stand-up comedy because traditionally there there were there were always have been some but there were there were fewer than men true um when i was uh i started in the late 70s so we already had um you know phyllis diller and we had um um oh god who did the runway stuff um with her daughter uh joan rivers oh um and i, I love moms mabley who was a character wasn't there somebody even before joan rivers um mrs goldberg oh i don't know how far back she goes that's a good question and but there, there you know and what was that Tody fields Tody fields indeed and then there's a, a, a Southern uh, um, one who kept her, um, uh, kept the, the- Oh, Minnie Pearl. Minnie Pearl kept the price on her hat. Did you say Phyllis Diller? Yeah, I did. Yeah, because uh, traditionally it, it's like women were not necessarily required to be funny or known for being funny. It wasn't like- and I don't know if they were allowed to be funny as well. You know, you go, the, nightclub, the nightclub world has always been tough. And uh, so, you know, the, there weren't as many opportunities, I'm sure. Um, when I started doing it, we had plenty of women uh, working, and you know, all all over the country, there was still wonderful comics working. Um, you know, whether it's uh, uh, let's see, uh, Lois Bromfeld. Um, uh, trying to think of all the ones that are in my mind, Rita Rudner. Um, I'm trying to think of all the different people that that I've seen and worked with. Um, well, you know, think about Lucille Ball. She wasn't a stand-up comedian, but she's known for comedy. But she started out as a glamorous movie star. True. And then she had to dress down to not look as gorgeous as she really was. I mean, when you when you think of her, she's she was such a titan. 
You know, there, there are things she did just on the side after, you know, uh, she and her husband created the three camera shoot, which every every TV show, you know, does live live um, uh, shoots like that now based on her stuff. She created she's the reason Star Trek exists. Did you know that? No, no, they, no one wanted to produce Star Trek. And uh, Daisy Lee production said, no, we'll do it. And she backed it when it wasn't in the first year when it wasn't doing well. She said, no, let's keep it going. So I didn't know that. What all, because of, all because of Lucille Ball that Star Trek exists. Yeah. Well, because she goes where no man has gone before. Boom. Right now, she is applauding in her grave. Yeah, I love her. Hello. Um, you know, it's interesting that Dr. Doug Lyle has a regular slot on Chef AJ Live. He's a psychologist, an evolutionary psychologist. And I remember talking to him once. He goes, like, being funny is not generally a prerequisite for women in the dating arena. Like, men aren't looking like, oh, my God, do you know a funny girl? Can you introduce me to somebody funny? Whereas, like, women really appreciate sense of humor in men. It might be, like, one of the top couple of things. Men aren't going around looking for me. You know, like, oh, my God, you know, somebody funny I can go out with. You know what I mean? It's it's never been, like, yeah. Very interesting. I, I, I though need it. Uh, I need somebody not maybe not competitively funny, but somebody who appreciates and enjoys and can share because uh, no one wants to be the only one. Imagine you, you know, um, if if you like to cook, but nobody like to eat, you know, you need at least somebody to serve to as a comic. But I, I it's fun to play. You know what it's like to be, be in, in our classes. You say something funny and somebody adds to it. And then it's just a um, kind of a cyclotron of, of joy. Yeah. The reason I'm a stand-up is because my friend Joe and I always made each other laugh. And only we there were only a few of us that could play at that level among all my friends. And then I, after a while, I realized, you know, this is important. So I wrote it all down and, and then it became stand-up. Anyway, it's fun to stand. One of the great things about the class is hanging out, as you said, with other funny people and just laughing and trying to find humor in things. And uh, that to me is a great way to spend a few hours once a week. Absolutely. So guys, uh, operators are standing by. We are really not really operators, but the, there is only one spot left. This is unusual because someone unfortunately had to back out a good friend of mine that was in the class because he's moving. And we do have one spot left. We start on July 10th. It's Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific time to 7 p.m. Pacific time. There are small classes, no more than 10 people. You get lots of personal attention. You get to rant. You get to talk about everything in your life that isn't working. And it's like having free therapy in a way. It really is. I've, I've, I'm sure it's done a lot of good for people uh, and certainly at a better price than like one therapy appointment. So uh, um, uh, yeah, why, why go to a licensed professional is what I say. I mean, that's true, you know, for the cost of one or two sessions. Actually, a lot of doctors do charge per hour what the whole eight-week class costs. So, yeah, you can get free therapy for eight weeks. We're not licensed, though, you know? Oh, no, no, believe me. I have nothing to to, to vouch for me. But um, we do have, uh, you know, between you and I, we have many decades of experience. Uh, and it's we know it's it's fun. 
You know, well, thank you. I look forward to spending those couple hours with you. Monday's a great day too, because Monday's a kind of a uh, day. So, you know, it's like, uh, but then you got the comedy class to look forward to. And it's something you can do with your spouse, with your children. We've had, we've had, you know, father, son, mother, daughter in the class. We've had friends. I love, in the class. That. I love bringing a friend in, someone, you know, either who you live with or who's a buddy. That's a great way to do the class. So maybe we'll get a couple come in. I'm so excited that Clint is coming back. He's like, I mean, he's like a real comedian. Like, I mean, because he works as a comedian. Not oh, it's quite an honor to have him coming. No, it's like, it's, it'd be like me having uh, Julia Childs in my cooking class. Exactly. Yeah. That's the other great. thing. A lot of things, you know, people don't realize that there is a, like, you know, it's not just telling jokes. You're going to learn the format, the setup, the punch, the tag, the act out. There's things that you're actually going to learn like the first two weeks that will teach you how to set this up so that you can be funnier in general. It's not, it's not just about like a pun. It's, there's a format and a system that's learnable. That's the neat thing about it. And what's a joy to me is I know the first week we're throwing a lot at you, but by like the fifth week, inevitably students are talking in the class like comics think they go hey you know maybe you need a, a better tag or maybe you need to, to set that up better and and uh have a better the premise is not as clear as it could be um it's it's a joy to watch people get more sophisticated in such a quick amount of time i've seen people who just try to do open mics to learn on their own naturally and it can happen but it takes a long time so what we're trying to do here is save you time um you know, I've been down this road for over 40, you know, 40 years. And uh, I, I'm not saying you'll never do that, but why not, why not condense your time so it doesn't take you that long? A lot of things took me 10 years that I can teach you in an afternoon. Yep. What's the youngest student you ever had? Youngest, 16, I think. No, you had my cousin Sammy once when he was like seven. Whoa. Yeah, my cousin who was an emergency room doctor and his son, he wasn't even allowed in the club except to do his set and then he had to leave. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, and yeah, Sammy, he's all grown up now. He's a famous musician. And what was the oldest student you ever had? Uh, 82, I believe. I'd like to get you a 99-year-old friend I have. I wonder if he'd do it. Ooh, that's great. Yeah. Um, somebody's asking about the multi-payment plan on PayPal. So, so the, um, Joyce, the, the way it works is I, it's hard to explain you know, verbally, but there is, it is there. It's six payments and it's interest-free, but do you know anything about how people do that, Charles, the multi-payment plan on PayPal? Uh, yeah. Have you gone to paypal.com? Cause it's there. I know it's there because somebody just told me they used it. So if I can help you, you can email help at chefaj.com. If you can't figure it out and be happy to help you. I just can't help you right now on the show. Cause I, mean, I guess I could pull up, I could share screen and pull up PayPal, but actually we oh, were yeah, that, you end up like showing your password to the world. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, no, that wouldn't be good. Exactly. That would be, that wouldn't be hilarious, but, and Linda Middlesworth's coming back and she's just so, she's hilarious to watch just because there's nothing funnier than watching somebody funny that doesn't know they're funny. Exactly. She's absolutely in the pocket in terms of naturally funny. You know, it's like a pretty girl that doesn't know she's pretty. It's so much more humbling and you know, much more, um, you know, than it's just, it's, it's so funny because she has no idea that she's hilarious. And so she goes, really, really? And she's just adorable. And Clint is coming back. So if you want to be with a bunch of vegans that are funny and that like to have a good time two hours a week without drugs or alcohol, but of course, you can bring the drugs and alcohol. We're not, who are we to judge? Uh, sign up, one spot left. And I don't know when the next class will be. This is the last class for summer, though, for sure. 
Absolutely. And AJ, I just want to thank you. Your, your enthusiasm is contagious. And uh, there's so many people over the years who've come because of you. And it's just a joy to meet your group. Uh, you bring in a good group of people and I'm in, I've enjoyed having them in my life. Yeah. Thank you, Carrie. I lo really love taking your class. And, uh, you know, I'm so not happy for the pandemic, but I'm happy that it enabled me to do it more often because in LA, it was a it was hard driving all the way to Venice to the theater that you had to rent. The class was twice as expensive because you had to rent a theater. It's just like yep. you say, you're in your comfort of your own home. You got your dog, you got your snacks. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an easy wonderful. way to go. And people from all over the country can come, which is really a lot of fun. I know. Is it, I mean, you've had people from other countries. I remember there was somebody in France once in the class. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've had, uh, I've had Germany, France, Ireland, England, um, now we've had uh, Canada, of course, and uh, and Australia. Yep. Well, and I worked privately with a guy who, uh, an old student of mine, lived all over the world. It was in Saudi Arabia, Bahrain, and Thailand. So nobody from the South Pole yet, though, huh? No, not that yet. Would, that'd be such a coup. I would love that. I, I don't know what their <laughs> internet service is like. Yeah, just kidding. Yeah, they're right. They probably maybe don't have internet. All right. Well, thank you, Carrie, so much. Oh, thank you, AJ. It's been a and pleasure. I can't wait to see you on July 10th. And thanks to all of you for watching another episode of Chef AJ Live. Tomorrow at 11 a.m., we have Ava from Ava Loves Raw. She avoided a hysterectomy and improved her health with a whole food plant-based diet. See, that could, everything, that could be an act. Everything could be funny. I mean, sometimes trauma isn't funny the minute it happens, but I always learned that tragedy plus time equals comedy. Absolutely. And uh, just have to make sure you remember to add the comedy. Uh, that just becomes tragedy that's old. <laughs> all righty. Well, thanks okay. everybody for hanging out. I, I was a pleasure right. to meet you all. And I uh, hope to see some of you on July 10th. Thanks, Carrie. Take care, everyone. Have a great weekend. Bye.